I'm turning on the grill. Beep, boop. That's not the sound the grill makes. Hey there, Bun Buddies, and welcome to License to Grill, a Bob's Burgers podcast, brought to you by the Ultimate Tabletop Network. I'm your host, Zal Zane, and with me is my partner... Kim. So excited. I love the energy. <laughs> this week, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 6, Sheesh, Cab Bob, enjoying a delicious, thank God it's fried egg burger, and testing our knowledge with trivia. I don't understand the title of the episode. He drives a cab. Ca- but is it Cab Bob? What is the reference of? I'm sure it's a movie or something. Okay. Because I had a real hard time at the last episode saying it, and I was like, maybe if I knew what it was referencing, I'd be able to say it a little bit easier. Maybe. But without any sort of Googling, I don't know. Well, if anyone knows, feel free to send us an email at theultimatetabletopnetwork at gmail.com. So let's get on with the episode. Before we really deep dive into the episode, I did just want to bring something up. Because while we're getting ready for recording, I always do like a little bit of Googling. Sometimes I'll read what people said on Reddit. I obviously look at the IMDb and the Bob's Burger Wiki because I'm always interested about fun facts and whatnot. And the reception, at least online to this episode, is a little controversial. Would you say that you've got beef? (laughs) I wouldn't say that I have beef, but I just thought that it was worth mentioning. There were a lot of comments about the use of the word transvestite. And so I just wanted to kind of address it and acknowledge that it exists. The show was released in 2011 not necessarily so old that this couldn't have been addressed but certainly not in our modern times where things like this are certainly better considered there's a whole discourse about marbles glitter and cha-cha and the use of the word transvestite and the way that they were sort of stereotyped into being hookers or prostitutes with like the fact that they use crack and just like general negative stereotypes and that being transgendered and being a transvestite are two separate issues. So transvestites are more commonly nowadays called cross-dressers. So people that will dress up in, you know, women's clothing or men's clothing in almost a pleasurable type of way. Whereas transgender people are, of course, people who identify as the gender that they're not biologically born into. So there's a lot of comments about how this episode was really insensitive. I rewatched it after reading the comments, and I wouldn't say that I necessarily agree, and we'll get into this. But a couple of comments mentioned the movie Too Long Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which is about three drag queens played by uh, John Linguizamo, Patrick Swayze, and Wesley Snipes. It's a great film. And someone mentioned that the, the characters in this were a nod to them in a way. And so if that's the case, I'm kind of on board. But they use the word transvestite and hooker a lot and call Bob a pimp a lot. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of season one trying to be as edgy as it can be. Yeah, try to draw on the audience. We definitely have seen a lot of adult themes, especially with the kids, Mm -hmm. knowing more than they should. Yeah, and I mean, it's not some not great jokes too. I I agree, I do think that's sort of like the early trying to compete with stuff like Family Guy or American Dad or even like later year South Park stuff. You kind of had to be a little bit edgier to get people's interest. Either way, I personally, and I don't identify as a transvestite, I don't identify as a trans person, so, or I'm not a trans person, so I don't think my opinion really counts for much, but I tend to think that Bob's Burgers as a whole is pretty LGBTQIA plus friendly overall. In general, it didn't feel like 
what was being said was meant as derogatory in the episode. It was just language that is currently not accepted vernacular. And, and even in then, and I did some sort of like Googling and into the word transvestite in general, and there are some people who still think that it's acceptable. They see that it's okay, and this was someone who identifies as trans. It's a matter of opinion and level of comfort, but I just thought it was worth mentioning before we get into the episode. Uh, All right, Kim, do you have a synopsis for us? The, the episode statistics, or IMDb information, it aired on March 6, 2011. Probably the highest rating that we've actually seen from IMDb, it had a whopping 8.3. It was directed by Jennifer Coyle, written by Lauren Bouchard, Jim Dotrieve, and John Schroeder. Just before we really deep dive in it, I'm just going to mention that this is the first introduction to a whole slew of characters, like literally half of the Bob's Burgers cast at this point and then we can get into some more like specific details once they pop up in the episode. So it's our first introduction to Jimmy Pesto who owns the Jimmy Pesto Pizzeria from across the street. We also first get introduced to Jimmy Pesto Jr. who is Tina's complicated love interest. Her object of butt desire. (laughs) We get introduced to Trev who is the bartender of Jimmy Pesto's Pizzeria and Jimmy Pesto's sidekick Kaboom Man. And probably my most beloved of all Bob's Burgers characters, we get introduced to Marshmallow. I love Marshmallow. Marshmallow is probably the best. Pretty much the best. Guy in bathing suit and roller skates is pretty great too. Speedo Uh, guy. (laughs) Speedo and roller skates. And certainly last but not least, we also get introduced to the infamous Calvin Fish Odor, who is, of course, Bob's landlord and the owner of the Wonder Wharf. Amongst other businesses. Amongst other side businesses that are slightly of the shady persuasion. We are also introduced to Glitter, Cha-Cha, and Marbles. Yes, those are characters that we don't see specifically again, but we do see some of them in the background of episodes in the future. Synopsis. Bob takes a second job as a nighttime cab driver so he can give Tina the 13th birthday party she deserves, and he makes some surprising new friends along the ride. So the opening gags for this episode are the store next door is extra moist yoga. Yikes. My guess is that it's playing on the whole Bikram yoga thing where you sweat your balls, but yikes for using moist. I would not, I mean, not that I'm a yoga gal to begin with, but I would not uh, patron a place with the word moist in the title. Let alone extra moist. (laughs) Let alone extra moist. That's just a slip and fall incident waiting to happen. (laughs) Slip and slide yoga. I might do that. That'd be fun. Anyways. Van watch. And the exterminator van, prepare for the scream, is rats all, folks. Ah! The saga continues. The saga continues. So the opening shot is of Bob outside the restaurant. He is watering the sidewalk. Gene and Louise are racing things in the gutter. It kind of looked like they were racing boats, almost, like paper boats. Yeah, maybe. But it could have just been garbage. It looked like garbage, and I honestly wouldn't put that past either of them. Do you think it's the garbage they collected from Tina's last episode? (laughs) From the one time where Gene found a necklace? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. While Bob is watering the sidewalk, we hear the infamous voice of Jimmy Pesto. Just as a comment on Jimmy Pesto, as I'm sure any Bob's Burger fan knows, the person who voiced Jimmy Pesto is no longer part of the show. Jay Johnson was recently banned from voicing the character with the news that he took part in the January 6th Capitol riots. So Bob's Burgers wants nothing to do with him anymore. And so we're not really sure what's going to happen with Jimmy Pesto. So far since the riots, he has not appeared in any episodes or at least not given voice to any episodes. That's true. I don't know what that says for Trev. Poor Trev the bartender is going to be a bystander in this. I hope he adopts Jimmy Pesto's kids and becomes the new Jimmy Pesto. I forgot, you know, this episode, I totally forgot that he had two other kids. They haven't been introduced yet. Not that, yeah, not that we've met them yet. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Pesto and Trev, who is voiced by David Herman, who does the voice of Marshmallow and also Philip Frond. Although the voice actor for Marshmallow has also recently been recast as part of the not hiring white people to do black people voices. Jimmy Pesto makes probably the lamest joke I've ever heard. You missed a spot. Oh wait, that's just your mustache. Like, come on guy, come on. If it wasn't for Trev's kaboom, I don't think anyone would even know it was a joke. I mean, I would have gone with, oh, it's just your restaurant. Oh, that's a sick burn. Trev, I do like Trev though. Trev is a very good sidekick. Bit of a hype man. I like that. You know, as suck as sucky as Jimmy Pesto is, like he has a tried and true friend in Trev. And he's certainly a better sidekick than Gene and Louise. Well, at least Louise gave some good ideas. <laughs> that's true. Bob uh, shoots back with at least I can grow one, to which his kids are less enthused, and offer Bob the nice shoes. Do they make them for men too? And as Bob goes to try and burn Jimmy, Jimmy has of course gone back into his restaurant. That was my favorite. He's like, hey, Jimmy. Like he was ready. He was ready to lay it into Jimmy. <laughs> he was just gone. Do you have any good insults for Jimmy? It's impastable for me to come up with a joke for Jimmy Pesto. Wow. Impestable? <laughs> I think Bob gets a really good joke near the end of the show, and I don't want to ruin it. But I like that one a lot. I'd go with, how about you suck on these jimmies, and then do the suck it wrestling motion. (laughs) Wow. But I don't think Bob's that into wrestling, so it may be a bit out of character. I I don't know if Bob is really into the idea of Jimmy Pesto sucking on his balls either, but his lemons, as it were. (laughs) Well, when you've got lemons. (laughs) So this is where we first kind of learn about the rivalry between Bob's Burgers and Jimmy Pesto's Pizzeria. Bob references as crappy food and he hates him for his crappy food and his customers, which I thought was a great joke. I I like that Bob doesn't specifically hate Jimmy as a person, even though Jimmy is a sucky person in general, but hates him for his food and his customers. Crappy food and his customers, but it's mostly a joke at the fact that Bob doesn't have customers and Jimmy Pesto's is always packed. I think that speaks to a lot to those like pasta chain restaurants where you get pretty mediocre pasta. I don't imagine the food at Jimmy Pesto's is very good. I think we learned later on that he's never even been to Italy. (laughs) I mean, yeah. It's all probably pre-manufactured in a bag. Suck these bags, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Spaghetti dippers. Spaghetti dippers. We learn that it is almost Tina's 13th birthday, and she is becoming a woman. She has become a woman in every episode so far. And she will until she's 19 years old. And stops being a woman? Stops becoming. Ah. She'll be a full-fledged adult, at least in Canada, but in the U.S. will be 21. The next little part is everyone talks about 
reading Tina's diary and part of me died inside. <laughs> it took me back to when I actually had a diary and I had a pink diary with some floral edging. I think it had a unicorn on the front so Tina would have appreciated it and it had one of those pathetic little locks on it and the pages smelled like potpourri but I definitely had convinced myself that <laughs> that lock was airtight and no one was getting in. Thankfully my brothers never read it. They never teased me about it. So I'm assuming that they didn't. Was there a lot of good dirt to sling on that one? Lots of zombie erotica. No, I mostly wrote about teenage angst. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have had and lost many notebooks. I did have a my journal. What is it? What's the online journal called? Blog? No, there was something specifically journal. Live journal. Yeah, I had a live journal for a while. I used to post all my poetry when I wrote poetry. Anyways, so everyone teases, not even teases Tina, everyone is privately discussing the fact that they read Tina's diary. And they all seem to take something different from it, though yeah. they're all equally skeeved out by it. Yeah, it does sound like they're, well, Linda less so. Linda just flips through it, and maybe that's why. Linda just flips through to make sure she's not doing drugs. Yeah, and I read Maxim for the articles. <laughs> Louise says that they need, she needs this party a lot. And, and that's when Bob goes, you read it too? And Louise replies, what I can stomach, if that's any indicator of what goes in there. Jean co-signs and says it's pretty rough. And that most recently, Tina has described that this is the year of Tina. And I hope so. I love Tina as a character. Let's get some more Tina-focused episodes. Louise adds that she's better on the page than in person. Although that's not saying a lot because Tina's so awkward. My absolute favorite reference and comment is from Gene when he references the diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> it is, what if the Nazis come and it's all we have of the family? To which Bob chuckles, which I like. I like when Bob like laughs at what his kids and his wife are doing. Yeah, it really shows that he's not taking things too seriously. He's having a good time with them. Linda tells Tina that she wants to host a extra special party for her. So to think about what you want. And this is, again, one of my favorite parts of this episode. Without batting an eye, without so much as there being an iota of a pause between Linda and Tina. Tina lists off her requests. Tina's been waiting for this question. Say anything you want about Tina. She knows what she wants. She is She is a girl that knows what she wants. Even if she can't exactly tell people what she wants most of the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the list includes it has to be a boy-girl party. Good for you. You're in 8th grade. It is time for some boy-girl action. With mingling. She wants the restaurant to be closed. She wants to invite her whole class, which is pretty... I guess she has to be in grade 7 then. Because in high school, once you hit grade eight you don't have classes specifically you have multiple classes they're still in elementary school so that's yeah. right she has to be in wag staff with the rest of them so she wants to invite her whole class she wants a dj she wants a smoke machine she wants dancing and most importantly two hours into the party she wants there to be a moment between her and jimmy jr where, where they lock lips and they kiss until their bodies and souls become one. And it's her first kiss, and it's perfect. And she's going to remember it forever. I bet you $10 that that's almost word for word what's written in her diary at some point. I'll take that bet because there's no actual way we can prove it. <laughs> Louise then offers to become the kissing coordinator. And then starts slapping Tina again. I don't know what Louise's deal is. She slaps, the last two episodes, she's getting a little slap happy. She slaps because she loves, as is proven when she starts slapping boy bands. <laughs> That's true. That is that is the later on, isn't it? Quick question for you. Sure. What will be your ideal 13th birthday party? Oh, good. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I did do for my 13th birthday party. Me looking back to when I was 13 or me being 13 and deciding what I want.
want. If it was me and what I wish I had done or what 13 Kim would have wanted. Let's go with what 13 Kim would have wanted. I was in grade eight when I was 13. So I was in high school. It probably would have been wrestling themed because for a large part of my high school experience, I was obsessed with wrestling. I would have wanted my absolute best friend to be there. There would have been some sort of cupcake making stations or I would have made cupcakes. I really like cupcakes. I feel like there would have been a sleepover. We probably would have played board games. I think back then I would have played the board game Nightmare. Oh, you know what? Maybe wrestling, but also maybe witchcraft themed. Because when I was in grade eight, me and my friends used to call the circles and cast spells. So it was probably would have been like very heavily influenced by the craft. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Now that I'm like zoning in to 13 year old me. Yeah, it would have been witchcraft themed. Awesome. We would have cast hexes on people and done binding spells and called the corners and run around my neighborhood wearing our cloaks because we had cloaks in high school that we wore to school up top i can't high five you it's not good all right you just high fived yourself sometimes the best high five you can give (laughs) is one to yourself be your own hype man (laughs) when you don't have a trev be your own hype man what about you what's your ideal 13th birthday party when i was 13 i would have wanted to go to palladium oh yeah that huge arcade in metro town good yeah that pretty much every game and every ride and everything spat out as many tickets as you could handle and you could get some really cool prizes at the end of the night it's true and it was also right close to the movie theaters and barring that then laser tag laser tag would have been good do you ever play laser tag love laser tag really yeah I don't have the endurance for laser tag. Yeah, I'm too big, so it's hard for me to crouch behind things, being I... like eight feet tall and all. <laughs> I'm old, so it's hard for me to cra- crouch and hide. People would just hear all of my bones creaking. <laughs> yeah, but when they saw you, they think, huh, that couldn't be you. You don't look a day over 21. Shut up. I'll watch you play laser tag. Aww. I'll watch you shoot seven-year-olds with laser tags. That made me immediately just think of that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when they play laser <laughs> well, play laser tag is a bit of a stretch for what they actually did. Oh, God, it's such a good episode. <laughs> All right. We get we get back to slapping Louise, uh, who tells Tina that she can't kiss until she's trained because she'll get killed or worse. Have you heard of STDs? Have you heard of herpes? What I did like is that Tina seems to know what herpes are. And apparently so does Jean. These kids are very sex positive or at least sex knowledgeable. Well, they're children of the internet. They'll figure it out. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They are kids of the internet. If they know what an orgy sounds like, they better know what STDs are. Oh, I hope so. That's just That's just good practice. Good practice. Okay. Bob tells Linda that he's going to try and talk to Mr. Fishorder to see if they can get an extension on their rent. Because Tina's party will be super expensive. Well, and they're also, per the show, not doing great. It seems to be a running theme with them. No matter how good they're doing, they're not doing great. They're kind of just like the money struggle. Because let's be real, if they were suddenly very successful, the show wouldn't be as good. We cut to the wharf. The Ferris wheel of Wonder Wharf is flickering in the fog behind Bob and a mysterious gentleman wearing a white cape and white suit. And a white eye patch. In this episode, fun fact, it's actually black. And the hypothesis is that it's black 
because it's a super secret meeting on the wharf. But in every other episode, it's white. Was it black? I, black. I thought it was white when I saw it. Man, that should have been one of my trivia questions. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be. Calvin Fish Odor is voiced by none other than Kevin Klein, who, I don't know if people know this, is a very famous American actor. He's in one of my favorite movies, A Fish Called Wanda. He's also in the Will Smith movie, Wild Wild West. And he's also done voice work in The Road to El Dorado and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, was he the bishop in that? Or no. was he one of the gargoyles? He's, I think he's one of the gargoyles. Cool. He was also recently nominated for a primetime Emmy for the Bob's Burgers movie. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I really like Kevin Kline. He was in that movie that I made you watch with Hayden Christensen. The one where they build the house. Oh, yeah. He's the dad. Oh. That's Mr. Fish Odor. I would never would have guessed. Because he's like a generally relatively pretty serious actor. And he does the voice of silly Mr. Fish Odor. So they meet on the Wonder Wharf docks. It looks spooky. Mr. Fish Odor's first line is, I love the fog. Man of mystery. If I was a rich guy, I would only meet people in the fog. It's a real power move. Would you just, like, have someone follow you around with a fog machine? I mean, of course. Have your own little Trev with a fog machine just trail around you? Set up a wharf to have fog machines around it for when I come. Proximity fog. Ooh, maybe it has, like, a little foot pedal. So you can stand on it and it sets them all off. Pocket with one of those things that'll change the light color of the fog. <laughs> Bob, of course, asks, that, uh, asking for a two-week extension, to which Mr. Fishoder refuses and says that he can't do that. But he can offer Bob some hours in one of his side businesses. His sketchy side businesses. Yes. To which Bob agrees. He also mentions, this is another one of my favorite lines of the episode, I love the way the fog feels under my cape. <laughs> That is real good. <laughs> you know, it, it looked like Bob was going to say no for a little bit there until he was offered a free hat. I, yeah, Malibu Barbie now with hat. Yeah. Like <laughs> Malibu Bob. Malibu Bob now with hat. That's the way you get him. Forget about you, Lisa Lionheart. I have a new hat. <laughs> we cut to the house where Bob is explaining what's happening is that he's going to be driving cab for Mr. Fishoder in the nighttime hours. He's going to be driving from 10 to 6 a.m. He also points out that he has a cool hat to the which the kids are very approving. Although, are they approving of the hat or the job? It seems like both or one of each. It is a 50-50 situation here. Well, everyone's on board. That's the important part. Tina seems very appreciative of the fact that her dad is going above and beyond to the point where she says that it'll be like we're all kissing Jimmy Jr. Everyone is really excited about that. Louis doesn't seem pleased. Gene is super into it and Gene wants to go first because he doesn't want to kiss Jimmy Jr. after everybody else. Hmm. Linda reluctantly agrees to go last, but I think that's just Linda being a good mom and just being like, okay, well, if I have to kiss him, I'll do it last. That way all you guys get your turn. I mean, most of them should not be kissing a kid in, in elementary school, but Bob does not seem enthused by it at all. Uh, and then we cut to the next morning where <laughs> Tina is shoving gum in her mouth and is currently in her kissing training exercises. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Seeing her, she had 10 sticks of gum in her mouth. Even for an adult-sized mouth, that is a lot. It's a lot. You gotta get that tongue working, get some good mouth feel. <laughs> Louise references kissing that it's kissing is like fighting with mouths, which I like. Fun fact, that could be a Digimon reference. At the tail end of the first arc of Digimon, Sora and Tai ended up kissing in front of the Digimon, and the Digimon were very confused about why they were having a mouth battle. <laughs> 
and that they would have to open their mouths a lot wider if they want to consume each other. Is that your special attack? Hey, you know what? You're gonna have to open your mouths much, much wider if you really want to swallow each other. Wow. Yep. That's risque. Linda calls Bob a Johnny Two Jobs, which I thought was cute. Aw, you're my little Johnny Two Jobs. Mm -hmm. And each of them give him some advice as he gets ready to go out for his night. Do you remember what the advice is? Oh, I wrote down what the advice oh, is. Oh, tell us, tell us, tell us. Look out for pukers. Mm -hmm. uh, make chit-chat. It'll get you better tips. Better tips, yeah. And don't take Highway 1 because the traffic is bumper to bumper. Bob asks Tina how she knows so much about the traffic and Tina mentions that she likes listening to the traffic and when asked why it's because she very much enjoys hearing bumper to bumper. Well, bumper to bumper is the equivalent of Phantom of the Opera's ass to ass. <laughs> Wowza. So, we get Bob's first night on the job. His first ride, of course, throws up all over the car. Two things I have about this scene. Mm. One, in the subtitles, it calls the music that he's listening to acid jazz. Mm. I have no idea what that means, and I didn't Google it. I would guess that it is jazz as if you were on acid. All right. And the second thing I have for this is the puker in his car is the child molester guy from the first episode. Oh, he's the guy that gets the child molester now with candy. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a good catch. It's a good catch. The second ride is a couple who get extremely underwearless in the back, <laughs> in the back of the cab. Bangarang, yeah. as Rufio might say. <laughs> they are bangaranging real hard. Yep. The third is Roller Skate Guy, mm -hmm. uh, who is very intoxicated and needs to be propped up against the wall. It's a good sight gag because his wheels kind of keep wheeling him away, which I really liked. And the last ride of the night is the introduction to our three ladies, Marble, Glitter, and Cha-Cha. So Cha-Cha is voiced by Oscar Nunez, who was Oscar Martinez on The Office. Really? Yes. And Glitter is voiced by Steve Aggie, who was in Peacemaker. He's the he Peacemaker? computer guy. He's also in Suicide Squad. He's the one that's in the Suicide Squad. Die Beard. <laughs> He's Die Beard from Peacemaker. And Marbles is uh, Jack McBrayer, who is in 30 Rock. He's the lovable security guard. He's in actually like a lot of things. He's actually the voice of um, Fix Felix. Oh, cool. From the Wreck-It Ralph movies also. So some pretty, pretty famous comedians have stepped in to do some voices. They are very appreciative that Bob picked them up because most other people do not. Bob doesn't really seem to understand why. Even when they pan towards like the very clear signs that they are men or have masculine traits. Like you see the stubble and the Adam's apple. Bob doesn't really seem to care. And that's where I kind of feel like maybe the episode isn't as controversial as people say it was because he's pretty cool with them. In fact, he's even very flirtatious with them. Adds fuel to the Bob is by fire. Yeah, I'm Bob is by watch 2022 or 2011. It's 2022, so it'd be 2022. We're watching it now, yeah. I like that he mentions that he's a married man, and one of them also says, so am I. So to me, like, that's where maybe it's Cha-Cha might be more of a cross-dresser, whereas one of them mentions wanting to lose their penis, which would seem more trans. Mm -hmm. I don't want to really get into it too much, because it's very much like 
I think you watch it and you have feelings about it regardless, but they flirt a lot. They tell him to keep his eyes on the road. He chuckles with them. Like there's almost like this immediate sort of bond between the four of them, which I find very cute. I feel like it also plays into this idea that while Bob is this disgruntled sort of grumpy old man, in sweatpants most days. He's also just very accepting of people. Like, yeah. this, this is who you are, so I'm fine with it. When he is not in control or needs to be in control, he's a super mellow dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. the restaurant is his castle and everything else is just neato. Sure, whatever. Hey, whatever's your, whatever's your jam. I'm wearing a hat. This is who I am today. <laughs> I'm hat guy. <laughs> from, from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., I am hat man. I am hat bob. <laughs> We get to the next morning. Louise makes a comment about tying a cherry stem with their tongue, but encourages Tina to use a banana peel and see what they can do, which I thought was really gross. Because banana peels are A, gigantic, and two, the texture is gross. But they're so full of potassium. But Tina's not eating it. I hear people boil banana peels these days and just drink that water. Oh, I think, isn't that like a remedy for being able to go to sleep? Maybe. But she does an amazing job regardless. <laughs> she creates a bow, a hair bow. Uh, Bob mentions the transvestite hookers. Uh, Gene mentions that he's Googled them. And then he is promptly banned from the computer for two days. Which he's very okay with. Yeah, see, and then that, see, that plays into the... the Gene is very early on as a little judgmental. So I think Gene in future seasons, he'd be like, whatever. I feel like Gene in future seasons wouldn't be Googling that in general. Like, okay. This feels like a, ooh, I saw more than I should and I am not prepared to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Paul falls asleep on Gene and is drooling slash... Sweating. Sweating. And <laughs> Linda mentions that Bob is a very moist sleeper. I think you can relate to that a little bit. Yes, I am all kinds of moist in bed. <laughs> yes, I am all kinds of moist when I sleep. That's good. Yep, good. I can relate to Bob on this. Like I've done the two jobs thing, and I also have had sleep problems where I would just fall asleep anywhere and everywhere. So I get that it's, it's nice to find a cozy place just close your eyes for a minute in the cozy place is the sun which is kind of cute yeah i've done i've done that grind too maybe not going from like a night job to a morning job but certainly with few hours in between i did that a lot when i was doing my masters i worked like all sorts of hours at any time and i don't think for almost a month i didn't have a single day off and you could definitely relate to that mm -hmm. so i for me that really just speaks to like the sacrifice that Bob has is undertaking for the sake of his daughter having a good birthday, which I think is like the nice dad thing to do. And Jean attempts Tina's stress noise when this happens. Yes. Yes, we get to hear Gene sound very uncomfortable. And then we actually, so we've heard of Jimmy Pesto, but now we get to see Jimmy Pesto when Tina is handing out the flyers to her birthday party. We see him in all his vested glory. Jimmy Pesto is voiced by none other than H. John Benjamin, who also does the voice of Bob, uh, which is kind of weird. <laughs> we also get the first infamous mention of butts by Tina. So episode six, it took us to get into the butt obsession. But sure, we sure do love to see him walk away. And then we go to Bob's second night on the road as a cab driver, where he actually gets the girls some work. He picks up an old dude, older looking gentleman, and he makes the curvy lady with his arms, his hands. 
And the money gesture. And the money gesture, which is a clear a clear indication that he's looking for someone to tickle his fancy. And so Bob drops him off with the girls. And some fancy ticklers. <laughs> a fancy tickler. Yeah, that's $50. And the dude's fine with it. So again, another sort of acceptance piece. Like, it doesn't make it weird. When Bob is driving around, he passes by a few interesting stores. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to know which one's there? There's a liquor emporium. Mm-hmm. There's the... Do we see the dungeon? No. I have it written down in my notes, too. I was going to make that a trivia question, but I thought that was really mean. I was waiting for that one. That's why I prepared it. <laughs> I those ones. <laughs> the uh, Longwood, which is the porn theater. Mm-hmm. And it's playing Plump Friction, mm-hmm. which is a parody of Pulp Fiction. And Dong Day Afternoon, which is a parody of Dog Day Afternoon. Yep. They then pass by the Tiger Cage, a regular pawn shop, Aladdin's Lamp, and then Liquor Emporium. Oh, that's right. I remember reading something about the tiger's cage. It was. It's interesting to see Bob waving and friendly to everybody. Like he's making friends who then appear later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's his service industry instincts kicking in to get some super friendly tableside manner? I feel like it's the flip side because Bob is generally in the kitchen, right? Doing the burger thing. So I don't think he really gets to interact with a lot of people unless it's Teddy. Hmm. or his family so maybe this is his flourishing in a social setting where like he's still providing a service because he's driving people around and it's like chit chat and nighttime driving i mean let's be real isn't really that hard he's just tired right right so i think he probably likes that it's there's no pressure and also him being a cab driver there's no sort of like he's not like committed to it like he is the restaurant so when the restaurant's not doing well it's like a direct reflection of his own failure mm-hmm. where so he doesn't pick someone up for a cab fare like he still gets paid regardless the pressure's off i blame the hat oh yeah cool hat new personality cool hat bob cool hat bob uh the next morning bob makes a comment that he might be a pimp which to which louise replies that he needs a bigger hat and then <laughs> Uh, to which Linda replies that he's actually father of the year, which I thought was really cute. Mm-hmm. So Linda always being very supportive of her partner. <laughs> she describes that she would... <laughs> Linda says that she wants the party to be like Buckingham Palace or like Studio 54. <laughs> She's already set up streamers and a disco ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, Linda's cute. Then Tina comes in, and Tina is very upset because Jimmy Pesso Jr. is not coming to the party. I do like this because... The entire episode has set up the rivalry and brought to this moment that it's not a twist or a surprise. It's a turn in the story, but not one that is coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And even though this is our first time meeting Jimmy Pesto opening the show with that immediate sort of back and forth and that conversation with Linda and Bob definitely kind of already feeds that. So when Jimmy Pesto Jr. is not allowed to go it's kind of like oh yeah this is definitely a jimmy pesto thing just being a petty dickhead definitely the escalation and that it was mentioned that jimmy jr was jimmy pesto's son Mm -hmm. and bob doesn't like the thought of tina kissing him yeah speaking of kissing tina exclaims that she's never going to get to kiss him and that she imagines that his lips are very soft to which jane (laughs) replies that they're soft like a kitty cat's tummy how soft are my lips like cinder blocks wrapped in sandpaper um, it depends on the day. Hmm. Uh, generally, they're very kissable. Oh, Bob takes a cake nap. <laughs> takes a cake nap. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Just that, like, barely keeping his eyes open. I'm surprised he didn't try and do, like, the toothpick thing. But yeah, face plants right into Tina's cake, and, L- and Linda's like, that's okay, I-, I can re-ice it. It's a lick, and it says that it's good. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, you gotta you gotta reward your own fancy work. Mm-hmm. So then Bob goes over to Jimmy Pesto's to ask Jimmy Pesto to let Jimmy Pesto Jr. come to the party. Because not only is Tina very distraught, but also Bob has been working very hard for this party. He works hard for the party. <laughs> Jimmy Pesto says it's gonna cost him. He says that he has a wall of rare and exotic trophies, which Bob thinks is creepy. Yeah, less rare and exotic and more weird and badly personal without looking at your notes can you remember what they are yes okay i prepared for this because i thought this was going to be another question it almost was a trivia question uh we've got a disco sucks button a billy bass a picture of jimmy pesto senior with two bikini clad ladies yeah a pair of heart underwear Mm -hmm. a elvis collector plate Mm -hmm. a scorpion inside of probably glass i thought it was a scorpion belt buckle oh maybe it was kind of vague okay but some sort of scorpion prop and a baseball that looked like it was signed and there's also a target oh a gun target but yeah that one down you got most of them you know there were some bullet holes in the target and they were not very good shots (laughs) so not so rare not so exotic so what does jimmy want he wants bob's bushy robust filthy mustache in a bag that he can pin on the wall yeah which is weird his eyesore of a mustache would you shave up your mustache for something like a birthday party i guess how attached are you to your mustache on from a one to ten i'm gonna go with a seven. Oh, it's, it's primarily a way not to shave my entire face <laughs> okay good I like your mustache. Thank you. Oh, and this is the moment where <laughs> where, <laughs> where we get the zinger of uh, Bob, Bob's retort. So when Pesto says that he wants Bob's hair, Bob retorts as if you want hair so bad, why don't you pick it out of the food you serve here? Kaboom. Oh, kaboom. He's his own kaboom, man. Oh, yeah. Do you give me a clean kaboom? Kaboom. Nice. To which Jimmy Pesto replies, no stash, no bash. And Bob returns to the restaurant. Tina is obviously very disappointed. And when Bob mentions that Jimmy wanted him to shave this mustache, everyone looks very confused. Like everyone doesn't seem to understand why Bob won't just shave it off. That's why I was asking how attached you were to your mustache. Not as passionately attached as Bob is. But Bob is mustache identity crisis 101. Yeah, because I feel like if someone was like, I will give you $200 if you shave off your eyebrows, I'd shave my eyebrows off. They're just eyebrows. They'll grow back. If someone wanted to give me, like, it was like my hair, because hair takes a really long time to grow, be at least a thousand bucks. But I don't think there's much that I wouldn't do if it came to my personal sort of appearance, if it was for the benefit of somebody else, or even a couple hundred bucks, apparently. Uh, Tina tries to attack Bob with scissors, trying to cut off his own mustache. Bob makes the comment that we should, so we should show the kids it's okay to negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. Comparing Pesto to a terrorist, which I thought was a little extreme. Yeah. And then I think we cut to the last cab ride, the last night of cabbing, where Bob mentions the mustache and uh, Marble, Glitter, and Cha-Cha are against the mustache. And then they make some playful retorts. They're kind of catty with each other. Very RuPaul. Yeah, they're reading each other for filth. As, you know, one might say. One of them makes a mention of thumbing their eyeballs out, which I thought was real rough. Yikes. But Bob is supportive. Bob says that they like their upper lip. And again, this kind of shows that Bob is pretty accepting of people in general. Or, you know what, this might just be him being nice for a good tip. I don't think so, but... 
I think he's hung with them enough to be friendly. Yeah, right? And they call him Prince Valiant. This is when they make the suggestion to go and drink a bunch of beer and smoke crack. I'm not a big fan of the crack joke. I don't really know why that needed to be in there, aside from just sort of being disparaging to prostitutes or sex workers. You know, it, it to me, it felt like the next scene with Bob and Linda was the scene that was recorded, and they were trying to support it around that. Mm, trying they, to emphasize when he makes the joke about that he thinks he smoked crack. And just the, the whole scene in general. like It feels like that was recorded first uh, with everybody just having fun on the mics. Mm. And then build around that, maybe? Yeah, maybe. It just, it felt like a little strange and it felt pretty, I don't know, kind of rude. Because like, I mean, hookers, prostitutes, I mean, whatever. I'm not a big fan of that language in particular, but I mean, asking your friend to go get drunk with you, fine. But saying let's go use crack, I don't know. So Bob shows up the next morning at uh, the restaurant and he is drunk, to which he says, I may or may not have tried crack. I don't think I did, but if I did, I liked it, which I thought was a funny joke regardless of my commentary on crack. Yeah, he's super delirious slash fluctuating between half dead and twice as alive as normal. <laughs> he's like so tired. <laughs> He's like, it's the, 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 I'm still drunk and also exhausted. Bob has this like weird back and forth with Linda where he's like trying to get her naked and then is pushing her away and says, get your hands off me, you sick idiot. Which I really thought was funny. Who calls someone a sick idiot? It brings up my favorite quote of this episode. (laughs) Is it the I'm like an animal? I'm like an animal. (laughs) I'm like King Kong. Together. Uh, I'm like an animal. I'm like King Kong. It's pretty good. And then, like, he immediately passes out. <laughs> he makes this grand sweeping comment, and then he climbs under the prep table and curls up like a cat and falls asleep. Begs for his special pillow. <laughs> his special pillow. And then he wakes up <laughs> to pickles being flung in his face. Oh, just like Mr. Club. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's like maybe that's part of Bob Bywatch 2022. Oh. So Bob wakes up. It's already partway into the party, this to w- which Bo- Linda mentions that it's not the first time she tried to wake him up. This isn't the first pickle she's thrown at him. <laughs> and the DJ for the party is none other than Gene Belcher, who's really dolled himself up for the party. He's wearing a tuxedo shirt. He's like brushed and parted his hair. He is a pretty good MC, if I have to say so. He's like, boys, you're peanut butter. Girls, you're jelly. Let's make some sandwiches. And while the party is awkwardly going on, Bob's friends show up. We see Glitter, Cha-Cha, and Marbles making their way in. Tina is visibly upset, not really sure what's going on, until they realize that they're Bob's friends, to which she retorts, you'll invite your nighttime friends but won't shave your mustache, and runs off. I really like Tina's dress, that big pink number with the bow. It's a very clear reference, and basically from now on until the end of the episode, there's a lot of there's a lot of 16 Candles references from the John Hughes movie. She does wear pink. There's this kiss moment, which we'll get to. But as Tina kind of goes off upset, we get introduced to the best Bob's Burger character ever, Marshmallow. Marshmallow. Walks in and takes off their fur coat and reveals their very scandalous outfit. Do you know why they're called Marshmallow? If you show me a sweet potato pie, I am on top of it. 
Marshmallow. How'd you get your name? Because if you show me a sweet potato pie, I am on top of it. Such a good name. And oh, such, yeah. Just such a fun character. Tina, again, is visibly upset. Cha-Cha marbles and glitter come to her aid. And again, this speaks to, like, just the general kindness, niceness of those characters. They make the joke, when life gives you lemons, you tuck them, which I thought was funny. Another RuPaul dig. <laughs> and, uh... Trinity the truck. Trinity the truck. When you're about to blossom into a woman, nothing can stop you. Not boys, not a party, not whatever it is that they go on. And I thought that was nice advice. And then they really chat up their dad saying, you know, how nice their dad has been to them and how great it is that he tried to save up money for the party and was willing to do that for the family. And while it's happening, what does Bob do? Bob shaves and looks super weird. It's so weird. <laughs> says you made yourself ugly for Tina's party. <laughs> A real flip from her. Oh, you look handsome no matter whether you have the mustache or not. Yeah, well. Aunt Tina comes over and tries to stop her dad from doing it after the fact. And, uh, which no, is... No, don't. <laughs> Tina, take a bow, girl. No, don't. I did it. Tina, take a bow, girl. To which she makes the comment, Jimmy Jr. won't make this party perfect. You already have, because Dad made the sacrifice for her. Which she continues on. She goes, I didn't appreciate it as a girl, but I do appreciate it as a woman. I thought that was cute, too. So Bob is about to head over to Jimmy Pesto's to give him the bag when he mentions to Chacha that that's the guy he's he's been talking about in the car, to which of which the ladies recognize him as none other than Baby Num Nums from the Desire Dungeon because he's a diaper lover. They get partway into explaining what that is and then Bob definitely stops them. Yeah, there's a little bit of kink shaming because, you know, don't, don't yuck people's yums. But, you know, in this case, if it's fuel for fire for Bob to get Jimmy Jr. to come to the party, I mean, all's fair in restaurateuring. You know, I... I don't feel like it was yucking Jimmy Pesto's yums as much as laughing because it is such a diversion from his character that it makes it comedically relevant. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it's not shaming if it's funny. <laughs> so he goes over to Jimmy Pesto and basically mentions baby Num Yum with the ladies in tow and he relents. He waves the white flag. Some good blackmail. Yeah, he admits defeat. Which kind of sucks anyways, because Bob's already shaved his mustache. But it's still good, because he doesn't have to give him the mustache. Jimmy Jr. comes to the party. Tina Max says that her dad is the best pimp she's ever had. And Bob says those are the words he's always been waiting to hear. And again, this kind of references back to the 16 candles, because Tina and Jimmy go and dance. And while they're dancing, they kiss. And we get the sort of fantastical mind of Tina Belcher, where there's a big heart and rainbows and horses, of course, and zombies, of course. And for some reason, the roller skate guy <laughs> just like just rolls on past while they smooch. Tina takes off her glasses for that and also looks really weird. That's true. It's actually the first episode where you see Tina without glasses and Bob without his mustache. And she, they both look weird. She exclaims afterwards that she just kissed a boy. And Mort, from the background, slips in. So did he. Though, he and Marble seem to be hitting it off really well. Yeah. So, again, like it seems very chill about, you know, sex and sexuality, which is kind of nice. Gene snatches away the bag of mustache hair. He says he's going to glue it to his chest uh, so he can wear v-necks. Belize 
can be heard saying, no glue to your back, no glue to your palms. <laughs> Which is a reference to the age old, if you masturbate too much, you're going to get hairy palms. And that's generally where the episode uh, ends. There is a fade to black rather than a just cut to the closing credits, which is not the usual for this episode. So my guess is that it's a continuation of the 16 Candles movie reference. But that's where we leave the episode. Robot voice. You know what that sound means. It is time for trivia. Beep, beep, boop, boop, pew, pew, robot. Exactly. So this week, it is my turn to receive the trivia. You know how this works. There is an easy, medium, and hard question worth one, two, and three points, respectively. Right now, Kim is so far in the lead that I don't even think the the other ten episodes in this season are going to make up for it. There's only five episodes left in the season. Even better. Oh, wait, that's actually not correct. There are 13 episodes in this season. I'm wrong no matter what I say. We have to Google. If you want to see the current scores, please feel free to check out the description below the podcast. It will be the scores as of last recording, and we will update the scores on the next recording. Season 1 has 13 episodes. We're basically at the halfway point, and I'm kicking your butt. Next season will be my season. It'll be the season of Zalzazane. It won't. All right, so what are my questions? Hit me. All right. Four. One point. Question number one. Why is she called Marshmallow? She is called Marshmallow because if she ever sees a sweet potato pie, she is all over it. Close enough. It's on top of it. Yeah. But I'll give you the point. Aw, thank you for that gift. I had to have a marshmallow question because I love marshmallow. Mm-hmm. All right. Question numero two. And by that, I mean two for two points. Mm-hmm. Name four of the seven requests that Tina makes for her 13th birthday party four out of seven you're sure this isn't a hard question Uh -uh. wow all right i expect the next question to be real terrible four out of seven i'm gonna go with boy girl party correct with mingling correct a smoke machine correct fog machine i'll give you smoke machine though about two hours in i want to see jimmy jr across the dance floor we're gonna get together and we're gonna have a kiss underneath the disco ball and a disco ball disco ball actually wasn't hers linda adds the disco ball oh i thought she wanted she doesn't request one but i'll give you for the kiss so there's technically eight all right how many am i at that's four nice Boy girl party with mingling. They're going to close the restaurant, invite her whole class. There needs to be a DJ. There needs to be a smoke machine. You're right, it was smoke machine, not fog machine. Fog is later on in the episode. And there needs to be dancing. Yes. And then the thing with Jimmy Jr. Well, they need to kiss until our bodies and souls become one. And it'll be her first kiss. It'll be her first kiss. Last question. I'm ready. So you currently are three out of six possible points. You're at the halfway mark, my friend. Just like this episode is the halfway mark of the season. Everything comes full circle. Half circle. 50% circle. (laughs) Radius. Good. Right? Because diameter's the whole thing. Radius is the... Yes! Always get that messed up, particularly playing D&D. Okay, numero three for three points. One point each. Name each of Bob's lady friends. Marshmallow. Incorrect. Not Marshmallow. Specifically the three women in the cab. Oh, I can name two. Glitter and Cha-Cha. I don't know the third one. I've just been calling her Red Dress. Red Dress is not acceptable. Okay, I'm going to go with... It's not Baby Num Num. Nope, that's Jimmy Pesto. Uh, I'm going to go with... 
Hot tamale. That is not correct, but a good name. What it is, is glitter, cha-cha, and marbles. Marbles? They never said that in the episode at all. I'm pretty sure they mentioned it at some point. I have seen this episode three times now. You said twice. And I've watched it most of the way with you. No, you watched the first ten minutes and then took the dog out for a walk. Still counts. Uh, over half, rounding up. You saw three times, ten, no in, marbles, in what the up? In the first ten minutes, they're not even introduced yet. I'm still counting it. I did not hear them say marbles at all. Maybe it was in the subtitles. So you got five out of six. I, I can settle with five out of six. Right. And that will get me close, but still, you're way ahead. No bonus questions. And now it is time for Burger of the Day, where we are going to discuss the Burger of the Day that we just had and give it a review. The review is out of 20 points each, and we will be going for four different categories as usual. Umami, which is savoriness, the mouthfeel, emotional resonance, and reeatability, sitting at five points per category totaling up to 20 points per person. Today's burger of the day was, thank God it's fried egg burger. Which is, of course, a play on the typical office setting, thank God it's Friday, or as my boss likes to say, thank God it's fry-yay. Wow. Specifically, when we get a paycheck, it's fry-yay. Did you know that there's another burger of the day during the episodes? Ooh, what was it? It's called the Olive and Let Die Burger, which is, of course, a reference to the 1973 James Bond film, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die! My mom shared with my brothers and I every James Bond film before DVDs came out. So I have seen all eight VHS James Bond films. I mean, there are significantly more now. Yes, but those were after DVDs came out, and my mom likes her classics. So that means you've seen the Sean Connery movies? Those were her favorite. Sean Connery. And Roger Moore. And then Pierce Brosnan. I think Pierce Brosnan was James Bond still during the VHS, but he was only James Bond for two movies. Do you have a favorite James Bond movie? Goldfinger. Why? It introduced me to the concept that if you cover somebody's entire body in paint, their skin will suffocate and they will die, which was very interesting, which later on I researched and found out that when people are painted colors for plays or Vegas or whatever, they always leave patches of their skin unpainted for just that reason. That's super interesting. Also, continually being painted with paint can cause all sorts of health issues. We know that from Farscape. Yeah. Oh, lead-based paints. Nature's miracle and curse. <laughs> so back to the burger. Yeah. Thank God it's fried egg burger was not in the Bob's Burgers book. That seems like a really big missed opportunity. It seemed like it would be, but the more I thought about it, it's a regular burger with an egg on it. So it you didn't could... require any additional prep, though I did put a little spice in there. I feel like you could get really creative and make it like a breakfast burger. So you could have like a hamburger patty, the fried egg, I don't know, maybe like hash brown, like, um, like you'd have those crispy onion ring strings. That could be tasty. In season two, they definitely have a couple of breakfast burgers that come up. So they may not have wanted to step on any toes there. That's fair. So I made this burger fairly simply. The patty has been the same patty that I've made for every burger. A little garlic powder, breadcrumbs, an egg. I did not put olive oil in this one, which was a noticeable difference when we eventually ate them. After mixing that up, putting in the oven, 350, 10 minutes on one side, 10 minutes on the other. I also fried up some eggs to put on top of there and sprinkled them with salt, pepper, and chili flakes, trying to spice it up a little myself. And then of course, lettuce, ketchup, mustard, onions, and pickles on Kim's. So our first category is umami out of five. How do you feel about that? How was the savoriness of this burger? I don't think an egg has a lot of flavor, generally speaking, and I really don't like fried eggs. 
eggs, like, at all. And I feel like the eggs that we have, our yolks were really pale, so I wonder if that also had a hand in it being, like, not as flavorful. I did also oven bake these eggs, so it, it makes sense that they would be less fried. So you didn't fry the eggs? It counts as fried. There was a little oil in there, but, you know, it was in the oven on bake, so... Eh. I'm gonna give it a two. Two? Yeah, I was not an overall fan. I was gonna land on three myself, so I think I can live with that. Gonna throw that scores in the scoreboard. We need another banger with bacon, man. Like, I need a bacon burger <laughs> to turn this around for myself. Well, maybe between seasons we'll come up with our own burgers. Yeah. And the second category is mouthfeel. One. One? Wow, egg, I was gonna give it a four. Egg texture, not great. My bun had soaked up a lot of something, and so basically just kind of fell apart. That's weird. It, I separated the egg from the bun with significant lettuce and sauce. I don't think it was anything you did. I just think it, you know, this is like a perfect storm of bad buns. What you got? What you got? What you gonna do? Sriracha sauce might have been good. A little schmear of sriracha just to give it a little, because I didn't really taste the chili flakes. But yeah, my mouth, the mouthfeel wasn't good. It did not feel good in my mouth. And how did it feel in your emotions? Did you have any emotional resonance with this burger? I don't think anything's going to beat your emotional resonance from last week. <laughs> No, nothing will ever beat that. Um, I'm going to give it, I'll give it a two. It did remind me that I don't like fried eggs. Uh, and with good reason. I'm a scrambled egg gal through and through. Yeah, I'm going to land on three myself. I didn't get a lot of emotional resonance and it was just kind of fine. But I always struggle with that emotional resonance. Re-eatability. Would you eat it again? I'll give that a three. I feel yeah. like I would. We usually have two burgers. I ate the first one, no problem. Second one, I scraped the egg off. I feel like out of all of the burgers, that's pretty easy to do. So that's why I would give it a higher readability. All right. So that lands us on a red hot eight for you. Oof. Sorry, hamburger. But it ended up with 14 for me. Oh, wow. You really like that egg. Yeah, I've done fried eggs or baked eggs on burgers before and I've always really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to License to Grill brought to you by Ultimate Tabletop Network. Don't forget to return next week for season one, episode seven, Bed and Breakfast. If you want to cook up some burgers of the day for yourself, please check out the link in the podcast description. Good night, all my bun buddies. Goodbye! Take off your clothes. I gotta go to bed. I don't want to do this. Get your hands off me, sick idiot. Together! I'm like an animal! I'm a King Kong!